Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where we discuss the technical and people side of safety. Safety should be your primary leadership tool for discovering more about your people and culture. Your host is Dr. Mark French, also known as the Safety Dude. Mark is a credentialed, experienced, and passionate professional with experience in automotive, food, chemical, nuclear, e-commerce, and energy sectors. He is going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety based on industrial and organizational psychological theories. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in people management and how they impact our everyday workplace. Welcome to this week's episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety Podcast. Hi, I'm Mark, I'm your host, and I'm so happy you've joined me as we take this journey of using safety, using a perspective of protecting our people, a perspective of protecting their well-being, physically, mentally, socially, and we turn that into leadership principles. We turn that in the way that we can learn about our organization, improve our organization, starting with that fundamental human motivation of just being safe. So let's jump on in. I found a really interesting story. Um, at least it was for me, so I'm going to share it. This one comes out of Holyoke, Massachusetts, or Holyoke, as some would say. Uh, I spend a lot of time up there. Uh, part of my normal, everyday job puts me there. Uh, really nice community. I actually really enjoy traveling up to uh, that central part of Massachusetts and visiting that area. And one thing I've seen is that as Massachusetts legalized uh, the use of marijuana and that has become a monster, monster business. It's huge. And it's a huge moneymaker. It's huge for jobs. It's been huge for the economy up there. You've seen a lot of some of the older buildings, or I have seen a lot of the older buildings being turned into getting a new life because of the legalization and because of the availability of selling, distribution, manufacturing, getting it ready, all all the pieces that go with it have created quite the boom uh, with the economy. But with any new economy comes new hazards. With that new economy comes new opportunity for organizations to make a choice on how they lead with safety. And so this one is about a employee that died from the hazards of the ground cannabis dust, according to an OSHA report that was released uh, earlier in the week. So this was a worker at this multi-state operation facility in Holyoke. Uh, they passed away earlier in the year, and so OSHA just released their findings. And basically saying that in the area she worked, there was a lot of dust in the air and even made complaints at times to the organization 
of, hey, I'm having trouble breathing. I'm having difficulty in this area. I'm not feeling well. And the ultimately, unfortunately, uh, succumbed to the lack of oxygen, the lack of airway due to the dust in the air. And when OSHA came in and conducted their their investigation, of course, part of it was to perform formal air sampling to see what is the issue and ultimately found that nothing they found on citable OSHA issues could come from that. So in other words, the total respirable dust was low. And of course, there's not a standard for cannabis dust in the air. Uh, OSHA is has a lot of difficulty, mainly because of the way they were created, the legislation, everything that has to go through it. They don't, can't make a standard that fast for this changing environment. And so usually they have to rely on what is there or the general duty clause to make any fines or to make any recommendations. And honestly, because this business has come on so quickly with the legalization, a lot of scientific studies are not done yet. We're not getting the data to really understand how this should be processed and manufactured in a safe way or the effects of that manufacturing process on the human body. It's just we've moved too quick. We have found a new business, which is fantastic. We're providing jobs. We've got to get some data. We need, as a, as a safety community, this is an opportunity, hopefully, to start learning uh, because when looking at some other reports, and I dig a little bit deeper, not not a lot, there has been some concerns from early on when this first started to take root. And in other states, or even in small batches, or even when it first was kind of that early adoption period, there were concerns from people in the industry that this dust could have the potential to be harmful and needed some kind of study. So this has been a talk, and so it's now beginning to happen. So, uh, unfortunately, this death happened. OSHA levied a $35,000 fine that the organization is fining because the only thing OSHA was really able to cite was that they weren't able to demonstrate a like a full JSA. Like They didn't warn their people of the hazards that could be present. The organization actually stated that PPE was available on site. I don't know what that means. Uh, what does it mean that PPE was available? Does that mean they provided safety classes or does it mean that they had dust masks? And even then, were they following the respiratory standards and having people sign the voluntary protection form? Doubt it. I don't see, even though this isn't of uh, the multi-state organization, they state that they are around 9,000 employees. This is not a small operation. Uh, from a multi-state standpoint, I'm not sure how large that location is, but that's a lot of people to not have some very formal safety standards and just stating that, hey, we have PPE available. That seems like a pretty soft statement, in my opinion, from a safety standpoint, from a people standpoint, because what it means is that somewhere, not to say this is true, this is my me generalizing based on my experience. What this means is that somewhere in a cabinet, in this organization, is probably a pack of half-opened uh, dust masks that 
say, hey, come get them. There's no telling how they look, what they, what condition they're in, where they're at. Um, and, and it could even mean that, no, we have gloves and safety glasses available. It may, it may not even mean that the dusk masks were even floating around the, the locations. And reading through and looking through where it was released from, there's actually the story that I came across actually cited a couple of other places that actually released it first, like a podcast and also a website that had really discovered this first and kind of turned it into a little bit bigger piece of news talking about that there have been other deaths in other locations from this exact issue and that there's, they feel there's not enough happening yet to get there. And so this is something I want to talk about a little bit more, not necessarily cannabis in in particular or that industry, but any new industry as a safety professional, what we do is we try to quantify risk regardless of what that risk is. We try to find Sometimes there is no science yet. Sometimes there is no item. Sometimes there is nothing there that helps guide us other than our our gut feeling, our experience, and our feedback from our team. And especially that's why I like to follow the news. I like to see, um, are things happening that maybe I haven't considered before? And honestly, I had never thought about this before. So I want to take a quick break. And then I want to come back and talk about the whole process of hazard identification, hazard processing, and even give you a a story of somewhere where I've been similar to this situation and how it was handled and how it maybe I probably could have handled it even better. But uh, we'll be back in just a moment with more Leading in Learning Through Safety podcast. You are listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. With Dr. Mark French. So I want to take a moment and talk to you about my own company, TSD Amalgamated. I know that's a, that's a mouthful. I can't believe I named a company that, but I thought it was really neat because what I wanted was to know that I would be a partner to whoever called my consulting service. If you call, we're an amalgam. We're working together, hand in hand, step by step together. It started off as my passion for safety. I wanted to teach safety. I wanted to audit. I wanted to be able to help others learn and maybe even lead through safety. And as my career has developed, so has my consulting company. So I'm really excited to offer that we're more than safety. We're a total people solution when it comes to leadership it's leadership with a focus on safety. So some of the tools that we can use now as our Myers-Briggs, really understanding who we are, looking at strength finders as a strength finders coach, and use those strengths to be a better leader and a better developer for safety especially, using fundamental interpersonal Uh, relationship orientation behaviors or FIRO. That's a great tool for helping groups understand how we have to adapt to each other. A lot of tools at the availability to help your team be better leaders. And when we have better leaders, we have better safety. And that's where TSD Amalgamated is different. We focus on your people in hopes they will focus on their safety. So feel free to go to my webpage at www.tsdamalgamated.com or if that's a lot, it's markafrench.com and it will take you 
right to my page. This is the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Welcome back to the second half of our Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. So we were talking about in Holyoke because that caught my attention because I'm there so much, probably there about a week a month, if not a little bit more. Uh, what an amazing area. You're seeing some really rebirth, regrowth there due to the cannabis industry. And there was a fatality earlier in the year from the respirable dust in that area. And when OSHA did their investigation, the air sampling came back, really nothing there. There, there wasn't anything they could cite because there's not a lot of, there's so much now in that we're producing that OSHA can't keep up physically uh, with rulemaking or even understanding all the hazards that are there. And so what do we do in those cases? So as safety professionals, hopefully this organization has one or is going to consult with one or find one or change their, maybe whatever they're doing, really get involved a little bit differently rather than just having PPE available. Let's take it a step further. And with looking at that hazard, one thing we're always having to do, and it's difficult, especially when we have to fight against this, is just doing a hazard analysis. What are the hazards? If we're talking like RC or ISO, it's input and outputs. We list everything that's there, conveyor belts, dust, even though we just see a little bit or there's fumes or I smell something or there's a a hole in the floor. All these are inputs. And then we have to look at what are the risk from the outputs. This should not be done in a vacuum. It should be done as a group activity. It should be done as a team. You need the input. And in this case, the person, the individual was saying, I'm having trouble breathing here. And they said, well, PPE is available. Is that enough? So I worked in the food industry for a while, and there were always complaints of kind of like the smells or if there was a fryer going, the, 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 whatever was in the air. We did industrial hygiene sampling. Um, our insurance company did it. OSHA came in and did it under a complaint and never could find anything. It was always below limits, but there were complaints. There were people who just said they had trouble. And my first... And my first was, hey, here's a dust mask. Knock yourself out. Here, sign this form because you're voluntarily using it and go for it. And right or wrong, that was a very harsh approach. Fortunately, fortunately, I had a great mentor uh, at the corporate area that was willing to talk to me about more about people and thinking about options and thinking about hazards And made the recommendation of a PAPR, so a powered air purifying respirator. These are fantastic uh, in a lot of ways because they, instead of you having to breathe through the mask, it's a little powered thing. You strap it on your belt, you put the hood over your head, and it filters the air for you and gives you kind of a fresh air all the time. You have to take care of it. You do have to be taught how to use it, how to clean it, how to service it, which is consuming. It's also not a cheap device, but... Is anything in safety ever really, when you compare it to someone's health, when you compare it to someone's life, isn't it worth it? It's sometimes hard to convince people that it's worth it. That's a whole nother motivational talk. Luckily, I worked for an organization that wanted or was beginning that journey of doing things like that. One of the concerns that always comes out is, well, if we give this person this voluntary piece of PPE, won't everybody want one? I've never come to an organization 
uh, where anyone is like, man, I'd love to wear more PPE or especially wear this heavy battery powered belt and a hood over my face all day. (laughs) So that argument's interesting, but not really legitimate. So fortunately, thanks to some good coaching, we were able to offer something else to, to the few of them that had some issues in those areas where there might be flour dust or there might be any ingredients that, that are powder ingredients. You can't help, even with great filtration systems. Occasionally, it gets in the air. I mean, you can't help it. You walk into a pancake factory, it smells like pancakes. Uh, you walk into uh, any other food factory, it, it smells like the food. That's because it's in the air. Can't help that. And so in this case, I think about the uh, that if there had been a hazard assessment, if people were complaining Rather than just throwing a mask at them or saying, well, it's in the cabinet, maybe, or we have PPE available, taking that a step further and saying, well, how can we help you? What can we do for you as an individual to make your journey better with this organization? And there, I know, at times as a safety person, there's those that we hear from all the time. There's always something wrong. Always, always, always. We try. We try with a smile on our face to help. Sometimes it just, oh, it can wear you down a little bit at times. Not saying this was the case here at all. I'm just saying from my experience, and I'm just walking down a road with you. I'm kind of taking a mind journey of my career. There's times where it's tough to keep just, okay, keep giving, giving. But we have to really think about it. Is it real? If I was there, if I was in that situation, would would it bother me? Maybe. Could it bother others? Maybe. Are we getting multiple complaints? Yeah. And if there are complaints, what are we doing? How are we addressing it? How do we intake, document, and then and say something about it and make sure that we're doing something about it? So those documentation, document, having a method of collecting hazard reports or collecting safety concerns and fundamentally closing them. And it's great when you can put on the wall that, hey, we've done some air testing. Everything is good here. Everything is working the right way. Um, But what really makes it tough is when you still have issues. Because remember, OSHA's regulations, even our air standards um, that they can regulate against, that they can cite against, are old. And they're not modernized, especially for a new industry like we're seeing with the cannabis industry. They're not ready for that. They're not prepared to be able to handle the science that needs to be done. So we, it falls back to us as leaders, as people who care about other people to find a way. And the tools are out there. Like I said, as simple as having a PAPR available for those who are complaining or switching departments, or finding a new role, or doing something other than letting it get to critical mass. Or if you're a big organization, helping levy for more science, helping levy for better education. And that is important also, that we are advocates for what needs to be done not only in our organization, but across our nation. Oh, that sounded amazing, didn't it? (laughs) I want to thank you. This is an interesting story. And it really led me down to where I had to think back to a similar experience that I had been through of where we had to solve something that didn't have an OSHA regulation to it. 
So I'm glad you joined me. Hope you enjoyed the discussion. Maybe you've been through something like that and have a great idea. Would love to hear about it. Join me on social media. Uh, engage with me on the webpage. I'd love that. And until next time we chat, stay safe. listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the online conversation at www.markafrench.com. All opinions expressed on the podcast are solely attributed to the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. 